Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today we are going to talk about fat loss and hunger. So this is actually based off of a post that I did back in January that, man, I got so much heat over this post, guys. In fact, I got bombarded with messages, with direct messages that were, it was from an anti-dieting community because I guess somebody had taken this and kind of twisted it and put it on an anti-dieter platform or excuse me, TikTok. So anyways, I got just bombarded and I had to figure, I'm such a grandma with technology. So I was so excited when I found out a way to prevent anybody from commenting on my posts, except for if they had followed me even for like a few weeks. So I was so excited about that because I got 50 plus messages and some of them were very, very hateful. And I, I do remember one of them that I was like, I really want to reach out because this woman, if she knew me, would not have said the things she said. They were really ugly and very, very hurtful. Ultimately didn't. I, some people don't want discussion. They just kind of want hate. So that was a, man, that was a wonderful opportunity for me to practice curiosity and compassion. And there were moments I did really well with that practice. <laughs> and there were moments where it was practice. Okay. So anyways, I, before we get into the meat of this discussion, though, I, I really want to emphasize one thing. Obviously, when I'm talking about dieting, and this goes for any of my podcasts, any of my stuff on Instagram, VSLE, I am not talking about the abuse that goes on around dieting. There's, there's a ton of abuse that goes around um, diet. So I'm actually not an anti-dieter anti by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I believe that they do some good because there are some people who should not be getting into a calorie deficit. They should not be because of their mind. Health is for everybody. Fitness is not. I'm a firm believer in that one. I have worked with enough women. I have known enough women in my life to know that I'm not going to say that it's wrong across the board because that would be a bit close-minded. But I will say that there is a good population that should not track macros or track into a calorie deficit because mentally it does not work for them. So therefore, it is not healthy for them. But just because that population exists doesn't mean that the population like me doesn't exist, which is I have a great relationship with body and mind and food. And I actually can go in and out of calorie deficits. I can go into surpluses. I can put on 13 pounds and three inches around my waist and I'm not like moping around the house. I'm so fluffy. I'm this. I'm... I don't lose who I am because who I am is not my body. It's actually much, oh man, I hope it's much deeper than that. That would be the saddest day in the world if my funeral, people stood up and the only thing that they had to comment on was my body. Well, she once in a while had a six pack and she really liked her delt flexies, right? That would be like the saddest 
Oh my gosh, that would be the saddest memorial ever. I hope I am remembered for so much more than my body, right? I'm working on becoming my best self so that when the day comes, that I'm remembered for helping people feel better about themselves. Like I want, I want people to talk to me and walk away inspired just to be their, their best self. Now, I'm not that person right now, I'm, I, but I, I want to become that person. Have, have you ever known people like that? I've known people like that. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it makes me want to be a better person. So I truly believe that people are how they make other people feel. And they are their relationship with their higher power, their highest self. To me, that's God. Like I am a Christian. And to me, knowing who I am comes from knowing who he is. And stepping into my higher self is is stepping into that higher calling and being and and so I hope one day that's what I'm remembered for not <laughs> not my awkward gym flexies oh my gosh one time I was I was taking like those awkward gym flexies in um the gym in the like locker room and this older woman walks in and she looks at me she goes oh these young kids. And I just burst out laughing because I'm like, I know it is so weird. It is so weird. And like 10 years ago, if you told me, Lindsay, your future will be you flexing in front of a mirror and taking a picture, I'd be like, what? You're insane. (laughs) And now look at me. (laughs) Never say never, guys. That's the takeaway. Okay. We're getting sidetracked. I'm sorry. Okay. We're going to get back on this hunger topic here. But I just really want to emphasize that I am talking to the people who they can keep a healthy mind-body balance while they go into calorie deficits, okay? We're not doing extremes here. We're not eating under our BMR or like a thousand calories and two hours of cardio daily and lifting six times a week. We're not going to extremes. I'm talking about just health and fitness here. So those are the people who should be tuning in right now. So one thing that's just important to understand is that um, hunger is part of an energy deficit. So let's break down really quickly what an energy deficit is. So if you are looking at a scale and not a body weight scale, but a scale where you have two sides and you can put something on one side and on the other and it kind of sees which one is heavier and which one is lighter. That type of scale is what I'm talking about. So if you think in your mind about that kind of scale and one side of it, let's say the right side is going to be energy out. So that is what encompasses the energy out, the calories out that you experience daily. So the largest portion of that is going to be things like your your basal metabolic rate, your like just what the energy that it takes to just live, to think, to move, to keep your organs healthy and functioning. That's going to take up a huge portion of that just to uh, keep your body working really well, keep your muscle mass and your bone density, everything where it's at right now. That's going to take the most energy. And then the next biggest energy out in this equation is actually often surprising to people. They want to say, oh, it's exercise. That's the biggest energy outer on that scale. And it's not. 
it's actually your non-exercise activity. It's not what you're doing for that one hour in the gym or wherever. It's actually what are you doing all day long? Are you an active person? Are you like me and your hands talker? I'm a crazy hands talker. And so I know like half of my steps are probably because my watch is like reading my crazy like hands mo- hands movement. Man, when I'm sitting, I'm just like bouncing. Like my legs are bouncing. I'm just a mover. I'm just am. I'm fidgety. What if you're somebody who just loves their daily walks or a mother who is constantly chasing, trying to keep up with her kids? Or maybe you work as a nurse and you were literally on your feet all day long. Okay, so all of this encompasses your non-exercise activity. And it can make your maintenance higher. Or if you're sitting at a desk all day long, it can make your maintenance a lot lower. So maintenance is not a set number. It's actually a range. And where you sit on that range, whether it's on the higher end or the lower end, has a huge part to do with this non-exercise activity. Do you move around a lot? Then you'll probably be at the higher end. If you sit at a desk all day, you'll probably be at the lower end. So even if you were to exercise three, four times a week, your non-exercise activity is going to be a huge uh, chunk of that energy out, the calories out. And then you have the thermic effect of food. So it actually burns calories to eat certain foods, especially whole foods and protein. Those two have larger amounts of energy burned versus if you're eating like the packaged fun foods all the time, like just kind of the garbage foods. There's, I don't want to say foods are, some foods are bad, but it's like kind of more of the junk foods. It takes less energy to burn those. So you do want a good portion of the foods that you're eating to be protein and whole foods. And then, and then finally at the top, we're at exercise. That's like the cherry on, the, on top. So that's the energy out portion, okay? And then on the other side, you have the energy in or the calories in, the nutrition. And we've already talked a little bit about how one thing that can help that energy out is to eat whole foods and protein. And that's actually going to help as we talk about hunger here in a minute, that's going to help push off that hunger a little bit and that satiated feeling like you're going to feel that more while you're in an energy deficit if you are eating those things. So with that scale, go back to thinking in your mind's eye, viewing that scale of energy in, energy out. And what the body wants to do is it wants to keep that scale balanced. It's just much easier to keep that scale balanced. But let's say somebody decides they go from no exercise to they decide, you know, I just sit at my desk all day long. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to start becoming a more active person. So I'm going to exercise four, five times a week. And I'm going to start tracking my steps. And I'm going from 4,000 steps a day to 10,000 steps a day. That's a huge jump, right? So what you'll notice is that the scale starts tilting. And you are now creating an energy deficit. You are increasing the energy out portion. So it's tipping the scale and you're creating this energy deficit. Well, what does your body do in response? Well, within the first or second week, usually not much, but then the third, fourth, it starts increasing hunger cues because it wants that scale to be balanced. 
that's why you get those hunger cues. You start seeing hormonal shifts where it starts doing that so that we can balance that scale and we can maintain. You see, it's a lot easier for the body to maintain versus it to burn body fat, right? Fat oxidation takes energy. The body doesn't want to do that. It's much easier to send hunger cues and get you to eat. So that is oftentimes why when people are purely relying on, well, I'll just increase my energy out and I'm not going to really change anything about the energy in portion, that's usually why they don't see the changes that they want to in their body. They're like, well, I don't get it. I'm exercising a lot. I'm like, yeah. And your body is creating more hunger signals so that you eat more so that it just balances out. And that's why nothing's changing. So there has to be some type of control or change with that energy out, that nutrition portion as well. So that's usually when people choose, okay, I'm going to get into a calorie deficit. I'm going to track what I'm eating because we are notoriously horrible at at just guessing. In fact, the research is pretty, pretty clear on this. When we try to guess what we're eating, when we try to guess that energy in, we are generally off 20 to 50%. And we're underestimating the amount of food that we're really eating. And so that's why it's usually wiser for people to somehow track or somehow put some type of constraint on the energy in, whether that's a meal plan or whatever, so that they can actually lose the weight that they want to. So being hungry when you are in that energy deficit is actually a natural part of your body just trying to get that scale to move back to equilibrium, to get that scale balanced again. It's just a natural part. A lot of times people will wrongly assume that what it is starvation. Like, oh, I have to eat something because I'm starving. Well, only if you're really, really like going super low in this cut. And maybe why would you start there anyways? Why would you start eating 1200 calories? There's, I don't know why people think that a cut should be 1200 calories, but they do. And it's so unfortunate. Why would you start there? So that is irresponsible dieting. And that should be avoided. And so I'm not talking about those people. But even with responsible dieting, where you're just like at a 15% deficit or a 20% deficit, like there will be some level of hunger. And it doesn't mean that you're starving. It doesn't mean that there's an issue with scarcity. In fact, average Americans put on two pounds of body fat a year. So we don't really have a scarcity problem. Now I'm talking in generalities. We don't have a scarcity problem. We have an abundance problem. We have a problem that we need to learn how to be better with our nutrition. We need to learn how to navigate nutrition. And I'm not one who thinks that tracking macros is a quote lifestyle. I don't think that people should be tracking macros 24-7. I think that it should be used wisely for goals and that we learn while we're doing it. So even in maintenance, I don't think somebody should be weighing and measuring their food 24-7. In fact, to me, that's a huge sign that they didn't really learn 
lifestyle habits very well because you should be able to maintain by what you've learned from tracking macros. So tracking macros can be, or tracking calories and protein can be a tool that we learn from, but we don't always track. So don't worry if you're tracking right now and you're like overwhelmed by it and thinking, how do people do this all the time? Well, they don't. I don't do it all the time. So you establish healthy habits and lifestyles, and that's what allows you to maintain during the maintenance. Tracking macros is a tool to make sure that we're in a either a calorie deficit or maybe a calorie surplus because you want to build muscle, or maybe we use it for short amounts of time in maintenance so that you can learn to feel what maintenance feels like. Some people don't know that. So it is a tool that we learn from and we use it wisely. Now, let's discuss little tips that I have for when you do feel hunger because it is a natural part of a calorie deficit. And oftentimes, if somebody is not seeing results that they want to, let's say they come to me and they're like, I've been dieting or I've been in a cut in a calorie deficit, in an energy deficit. You choose whatever name you want to call it, the one that least triggers you. Some of those really trigger people. But choose whichever name you will. And, and they'll come to me saying that, but they're never hungry. Or maybe they are for a minute, but that's it. And then they're wondering why they, well, why they're, and then they're wondering why they haven't lost weight. Well, it's because when those hormone signals come, maybe you overindulge or you just move things right back up to maintenance. And so that's why during these cut periods, it is very important to really be consistent in the calorie deficit and in the tracking of it so that you can ensure that you are truly in a calorie versus, you know, if you're hungry for a minute and then just, you know, overeat or just move back up to maintenance, it's really actually easy to do that. So here's some tips though. One, I fully accept that hunger is a part of a calorie deficit or an energy deficit. It's just part of it. It is going to happen. And I hope that me explaining that scale to you and why it happens helps you understand that, oh, okay, this isn't necessarily a bad and horrible thing. I'm not dying. It's just a natural response in my body. Two, I remind myself that I chose to do this, that this is a goal that I have and that I actually want what's on the other side of hard. And feeling hunger or just like buzzes of slight, like a slight buzz of hunger, that's what my husband calls it, a slight buzz of hunger throughout the day is okay and you can push through that pain to get to the other side where your goal is. Now, once again, I do not believe in living in a diet. Oftentimes, women spend more time during the year trying to lose weight than trying to eat at maintenance and truly fuel their body. And that can lead towards what I refer to as the diet mindset, meaning that they're actually never in a diet as far as the calorie deficit, but they're in the diet in their mind. They're constantly focusing on restriction in the mind. 
And it produces this really bad diet mindset and produces a bad relationship with body and a bad relationship with food. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about short periods of time where it's like you have a goal, you get in and you get out. Okay. Now, this third tip may sound funny and I don't want it to be abused, but oftentimes hunger, when we feel it, we interpret it as a really negative thing. But once again, when you're doing a controlled, healthy, smart diet, it is going to be part of it. And so instead of looking at it as a negative thing, I look at it as awesome. It's working. Like I've noticed that right before a good drop in the scale or feelings of being leaner, my hunger really increases. It's like the body saying, I really don't want to tap into this body fat right now. If we increase the hunger, then she'll eat more and we won't have to. And if I can push through that, then I usually see within the next few days a drop in the scale or even just like a tightness that comes. So those are three tips. Now remember, no matter the goal, there will always be a level of uncomfortableness. So this isn't just about dropping body fat. No matter the goal in life, we need to push into that and push past it. So let me share something about the buffalo that I'm not sure you know this. But did you know that when a storm comes, the buffalo, they don't run away from the storm. They run into the storm. They know if they try to run away, that the storm will actually catch up and then they'll start running within the storm and they'll spend more time in the storm if they're trying to run away from it. So instead of that, they learn to turn towards the storm, turn into the hard, and they run through it. So I see this with women who want to lose body fat. They choose to diet. And then as soon as the hard comes, they run away from the storm, away from the hard. And that's when they end up living in a diet because they never see their end results because they're always running away as soon as it gets just a tiny bit uncomfortable and hard. So that's why I say all the time, get in and get out. We don't want to live in a diet. We want to do it for a short amount of time. Get in, get out, okay? Don't live in it. So I really invite you, when things get hard, run into the storm, face it, get in, get out. Another tool that I use that helps me when I'm in a calorie deficit and this actually is a tool that I use for a lot of things in my life, including like business goals or just really many type of goals, is that I will actually think about myself in three terms. I'll think of myself as far as the past, the present, and the future. So there's a past Lindsay, a present Lindsay, and a future Lindsay. And really, there's a past, present, and future of all of us, right? So I want you to take a moment and think about this in terms of you. Now, when we're looking at the us of yesterday, the us of the past, there's really nothing we can do with that version of us, except we can learn from that. 
And man, the Lindsay of the past has taught me many things. I'm very grateful for her. I've learned from her a lot. Okay, it's only a failure if you don't pause to learn from your past mistakes. I look back and I learn from the past Lindsay. The only thing I really have control over is the present Lindsay. But I like to spend time thinking about the Lindsay of tomorrow. What does she want? And I really want to make sure that the the Lindsay of today is looking out for the Lindsay of tomorrow. And that I set up the Lindsay of tomorrow for success and for happiness, whatever the goal is. But oftentimes I think about this during diets because I think about how I really want the Lindsay of tomorrow to look back and be so grateful that the Lindsay of today didn't give in to my emotion and my wants of the moment because they are fleeting. And I have learned that. And I think about this in regards to other things like budgeting, like money. Well, has the the past you ever gotten into debt? And now the present you needs to think about the future you. Does the future you want to be in debt? Or do you have to say and make the hard choices and say the hard no's today so that the you of tomorrow has success and is in a really good place in their life? Maybe it's not the you of tomorrow, but the you of a month, of three months, of a year. So think about that version of you. Look after that version of you. They're important. And oftentimes, our emotions of today really can set the us of tomorrow in a bad place. And oftentimes, the emotions of today can really win. And so I have found that thinking of the Lindsay of tomorrow, asking my present self, will the me of tomorrow be happy with the me of today's choices? Always look to set the you of tomorrow up for success. Make her proud of your decisions. Once again, I just have to end this on this note. Obviously, I'm discussing hunger in regards to responsible dieting. Constantly starving yourself is not wise, and it never will lead you to your goals. In fact, the happiest women in fitness spend the least amount of time actually in calorie deficits. I want you to think about that. They usually go for small controlled spurts and then come back to maintenance, and that's where they live. They live in maintenance and not in that constant seeking out of the calorie deficit and of the cut and of their leanest, most shredded self. Are there people out there that are genetically blessed? Yes. Do they bug us all? Yes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but they are out there, but we're not talking about them. The wise individual will think about themselves. They're not going to compare to others. So your responsibility is to think about the information that's been provided to you, 
And how can you wisely approach it? And how can you wisely apply it to yourself so that you can hit your goals and achieve success and actually become somebody who lives with integrity? So many times people think that if I lose five pounds, then I'll be happy. But the truth is, when you're looking at these before and after pictures and you see somebody who lost weight and they're radiant and they're so excited and it's like they found this new power within themselves, can I just say from experience with myself and walking hundreds of women through this process, sometimes they will wrongly assume that it has to do with this new outside version of themselves. But I want to challenge that because I don't believe that. I believe that they are radiant and have found new power, not because of the outside change, but because of the inside change. Because they actually made a commitment to themselves. They made a promise to themselves to do something hard and they did it. Because I see that same kind of radiance when people run a marathon. And they're so proud of their hard work afterwards. Or when they've learned a new language or when they've accomplished anything, they've created a business. They've created art. They have chosen a hard path and they followed through. They pushed through the hard and they accomplished their goal. I truly believe that any self-love that's discovered on the journey of fitness isn't from the five pounds, the shredded, the six pack, the delts, the whatever. It's actually from the I made and I kept a promise to myself. So I hope that that's your biggest takeaway from today's podcast. Thank you for joining me on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions, send me a DM on Instagram at Lifting Lindsay, or check out my website, liftinglindsay.com, where you can see my coaching options as well as my training app. Have a wonderful week, guys.